This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. Today, you're listening to episode 389, and my guest is Sid Baptista. Sid is an entrepreneur through and through. He is a father. He's the founder of Pioneers Run Crew, the founder of Pioneers Performance Streetwear, and he is passionate about making sure that running is inclusive and accessible to everybody. So we recorded this right before the Boston Marathon, and he was about to set up a pop-up shop with his clothing. He is from Boston, and so we talk about the Boston Marathon course, and we also talk about having running groups in different parts of the city, not just Boston, but other cities as well, and making sure that running feels like a safe space for people, no matter the color of their skin and accessible no matter the income of the person who wants to run. This is really hard. It's a barrier. Time is a barrier. And it would be great to help come up with ways to make it more accessible and make it so that it feels safer. So this is something that Sid is extremely passionate about, which is why he started the Pioneers Run Crew years ago. I had a lot of fun talking to Sid and you know, I'm going to try to get him to get his podcast back up and running. He had a podcast called Fitness in Color for a little while there. And of all the things he's juggling, he decided to not continue recording for now. But I mean, I feel like I should try to convince him to keep recording and maybe join my network. All right, friends, before we get started talking with Sid, I want to tell you about Vionic Shoes. These are the most comfortable recovery shoes that every runner needs to know about. It's really easy to just throw on a pair of flip-flops in the summer, but I am telling you what, these recovery sandals are saving my feet. They're saving my arches. I particularly love the Rejuvenate Recovery Sandal, which I've been wearing to the pool. We are all about the pool right now in my house, and those sandals feel so great on my feet. Vionic has great shoes for men and women, and they are so great for active recovery. They have a winning combination of supportive and cushioned layers that work together to generate this recovery. So friends, I'm so excited to have you check out these shoes and enjoy these super comfortable and supportive sandals. They also have cute sneakers as well, by the way. All this and no stress, Vionic's 30-day risk-free trial means there's no reason not to try them out. Enjoy free shipping on vionicshoes.com with the promo code ANOTHER. Recover smarter, return stronger. Again, enjoy free shipping on vionicshoes.com with promo code ANOTHER. All right, friends. I have a brand new Patreon episode up on patreon.com slash Hine with Mel Charbonneau, founder of Fellow Flowers and Made to Move Race series, and Tony Carey, who is the founder of Black Girls Run. We recorded an in-person interview in Madison, Wisconsin um, this past weekend, and that is already up on Patreon. So if you want to listen to that, it's a really, really great conversation. Really proud of, of the conversation and grateful for Mel and Tony. So if you want to listen to that, gain access to bonus content over there, just go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. 
You can support this podcast and my work behind the show and Emma's hard work, my editor, um, by just going to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And for as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to this bonus content. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Sid. Um, all right. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Sid Baptista on the show. Welcome to the show, Sid. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Okay, so Sid, you are in Boston and you have a lot going on with the Boston Marathon coming up. Tell us what's going on with your apparel brand, Performance Streetwear, and and all that's happening. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'm uh, getting ready for Boston Marathon. So we have uh, a running team here in Boston called Pioneers Run Crew, and then we have an apparel line that we built to support kind of the community um, that we activate. That's also called Pioneers, um, but it's just spelled differently. Um, but we are, uh, you know, we have a ton of people running on the running team. Um, so we'll be kind of making sure that they have a good experience. And then we're welcoming people into the city uh, and we're launching a, a pop-up space down on Newberry Street um, and kind of creating this experience for uh, for people who come into the city and, uh, and, and want to see the culture we've created. That's so cool. Tell me how it feels to be like, okay, I started this brand, what, three years ago? How long ago did you start the apparel brand? So, yeah. So the running brand, the running team started five years ago and the apparel line started two years ago. And it is pretty crazy because when I go, uh, I have one of my friends who I go on long runs with on Saturdays. And recently I was telling him about an opportunity that came across uh, and I was like, remember when we first started talking about this two years ago? And it was like this idea I had. And then every Saturday, I would tell you a little bit more and a little bit more. And now we're opening our first retail space. Uh, you know, granted, it's a pop-up shop, but it's still a pretty big deal. And it's sometimes I do have to step, take a step back and be like, wow, this is um, this is pretty cool. But I'm just so deep in it sometimes. It's just like all I can focus is on what's not working. Yeah. Tell me like being on Newberry Street, if people are familiar with the Boston Marathon, they know that that's a street over from Boylston. It's a really big deal. Are you yeah. like, whose space are you in for this pop up? Yeah, so we um, so we have a, a partner that we work with that has a space there. And so we are using that. Um, we're just popping in for the month and using their space. So it's a retail space. And we've kind of set it up to kind of feel like our own. So we did put some some work into it. So in the space, we'll have uh, recovery from Hyper Ice, which is a good way to drive some people in. Um, but we've kind of we've put up a lot of our photos of the community, obviously merchandising with the brand and just kind of, you know, trying to make it as, as much of our as much of ours as possible. So our brand is called Perform uh, Pioneers Performance Streetwear. And so we try to take the streetwear culture and put it into running. Okay. And just kind of take our running community culture as well and put it into running, into the general running kind of um, community. And so we're trying to take that vibe and bring it into the space itself, so. That's so exciting. How did you even like know how to develop apparel? Well, if, if I knew how hard it was, before I got started, and this is the truth. I don't know. If, I don't know if I. You have to. You have to kind of be naive to do totally. In my past life, I've done music festivals, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I would say the same thing. It was like I would never do that again. But uh, basically, we had this running community that we created to diversify running in Boston. Um, I'd started running many years ago. I became a running coach, and kind of, um, you know, uh, people like a trusted kind of running personality in Boston. And I just found it hard to bring my friends who um, don't live in the city, like, uh, well, 
we are in the city, but don't live in like new on Newberry street or down in the back Bay or in Cambridge where I, I was typically running. So I decided to create my own running community, uh, in my neighborhood. But as that running community grew, we realized that the people that were coming to our runs didn't look like the people who were going to runs on the other side of town, um, or the people who are at the fronting, you know, the start line of the, of the running of the Boston marathon, uh, we were, you know, a little bit bigger body, um, just different body structure. And so we found that, and then we found that the running apparel that we were using just wasn't really working for our community, whether it was fit style, you know, I remember even myself being a marathoner, buying a, a pair of running shorts, GQ had like this, you know, best running short, like the best running short. So I bought them and they wouldn't fit my thighs, mm. you know, and I'm like, if I'm a marathoner and these don't fit my thighs, then like, what do people in my running community um, need and so that's kind of where it started the spark of it also like we've had sponsorship with brands where like we just didn't feel like we were really heard or listened to or they weren't really using they were really using us to kind of sell their product and not necessarily anything else so i was like you know what like we have this running community we have the support so like let's build something that can support them and that was 2020 kind of when everyone was coming and asking like sid how are you you know 2020 was a big a big year for like hey sid how are you doing all that how are you getting so many people of color running you know and then in that moment and i felt like it was gonna be a moment because we've been through it before where people were like trying to help instead of being their influencer i was i was asking where do you make your product how do you make your product that's what i want to know i don't want to be on your ads you know like here are four people on my team who would love to be in your ads and would love to be kind of like part of your 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 campaign but for me like i want to know where you make your product so that's kind of where it started and it's, yeah it's been a, r- a ride since i love that i love that you start with you have to be naive <laughs> no seriously you know, you know an entrepreneur it's so true and don't even bring that big idea to like multiple people because somebody's going to shoot you down and you're going to start questioning yourself so yeah. you have to believe in yourself i love that so much um, let's talk about your running culture. And when you started running, I know you had, you know, moved on from corporate America. You were yeah. trying out this music festival thing yeah. and that was really hard. And you stumbled upon this run group and started running with them. Tell yeah. us about that beginning journey for you. Sure. So I, uh, so I've, I've been a runner, I guess in my past life, but as a sprinter. So I, I sprinted in high school. Oh yeah. This is wild. You guys, he was like a really fast sprinter too. <laughs> yeah. Sprinter to marathoner. Here we are like yeah, sprint, yeah. short sprinter, hundred meters. Yeah. So 100, I had high school records. They're gone now. Um, and fun fact. So Gabby Thomas went to the same high school that I did. Um, That's awesome. she's you know, a lot younger. She's a lot younger. Um, we always <laughs> kind of banter me and her about it, but, um, the same year that she was kind of like really doing well in high school was the same year my records were broken. So they had a pretty strong track program. So I ran the 100, the 200, the four by one and the four by four. I ran like a 10, eight, uh, in, in the, in the 100. And so I was pretty fast. I didn't run in college, but then when I got out of college, you know, you go through that phase where like, you're still playing in real sports with your friends. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, I went four years of college. I went four years of high school, four years of college. And then I got a job at PWC which is a big four accounting firm. And I was there for four years and I've kind of feeling like what's next. Well, I was there for six years total, but kind of around that four year mark, I was like, what's next. And I wasn't really playing basketball or like playing in real sports anymore. Um, and then I, I got up, I got into creating music festivals. And so I ended up quitting my corporate career to start a music festival, which failed um, for, for many reasons. Uh, and so then once I found myself in this kind of area of like, I don't have 
an identity. Like I don't, I'm not in the school. I don't really play the sports with my friends anymore. I'm not in this corporate America where I, you know, like, what am I? And so I was like walking down Newberry street and I saw one of my friends, Jarek Walker, who's another black guy running with Nike run club. And I was like, well, if you can do that, like maybe I should try it. Looks like he's, it looks like he's having fun. Um, so I think it was like the second or third time I walked by him that I, I finally tried it. And it was like, so hard it was like impossibly hard for me <laughs> i was like i didn't make sense why would you run more than a lap or two around you know around the track but you know i just kept seeing how that community kept like showing up for each other smiling people would like run by me or run with me and like you know be nice to me and i was like i'm trying to beat you why are you trying to be nice to me so that's <laughs> kind of my first introduction into the running community and it was just something i needed at the time right like i didn't have like i was struggling with identity and so as i began running I started building more confidence. Um, I started building more discipline. I started kind of having conversations with myself during these longer runs. And I fell into, so I fell into running hard. I ran a marathon, I think, uh, within the first year. Yeah, within the first year, I ran a marathon. And so if you think of it, I ran my first mile and then like 5K, 10K, and then I jumped right to the marathon. And so um, you really have to immerse yourself in running to do that. And so that's where I was. And I just like fell in love with what it was doing for my body and for my mind. I was just going to say a true love story. You run a lap to a marathon in one year. <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy. It's crazy, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, one of the things uh, I noticed in my research for this interview is you talking about growing up in Boston and the fact that the Boston Marathon doesn't even run through much of the city. You know, yeah. when you run New York City Marathon, you're running through all the boroughs. Um, I never thought of it like that. I knew that you run, you know, you start in Hopkinton and it's a, you know, it's a point to point course and you end on Boylston. But honestly, since it's point to point, I don't even think about like where I am. I'm just like, get me to Boylston. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's a really big deal. So talk about why that matters and why it matters that this race doesn't run through certain communities and what it's like to be from a community who isn't in like that line into the Boston yeah. Marathon. What does the Boston Marathon mean to you if you live in a community that isn't like directly involved in the race? Exactly. Yeah. No, um, it doesn't mean anything, to be honest with you. Like, I didn't know the Boston Marathon was just something, something that came on TV on a Monday that we had off growing up in Boston, right? Like, it wasn't something that even that, you know, we would watch on TV here and there, but it wasn't something that was even thought of because it just, it wasn't anything that that we knew. Um, and so, yeah, Boston's a very segregated city. So we can start there. Um, and then the parts that I live in. So I live in Dorchester, which is the biggest, most diverse uh, uh, neighborhood in Boston. However, it's still um, broken down into villages okay. where it's like, you know, then you have like uh, black and Latino and uh, and your BIPOC folks in one area. And straight down the line, you'll cut down Dorchester Ave. On the other side is where uh, the majority of white people are. And so even within Dorchester, it's very segregated. But like down in the back bay is where like there are no people of color. Like in the south end, there are people of color, but the, the marathon doesn't come into the south end. And so the majority of the marathon goes through suburbs of Boston that are majority white and then come into Boston through Brookline, Brookline which is like the most uh, prestige, like the, like the most expensive place to live probably in America where Tom Brady had his, had his house. Um, wow. And then it, it cuts into Boston, right? So it comes through Newton into Brookline or Austin, but Brighton and into Brookline into Boston. And so like, it was just not something we thought of. So it was not something that we ever thought to be accessible to us. And even when we started running, we never thought about the Boston marathon. And especially when I started running in Dorchester, we didn't, there's just something that we never thought of. 
Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about you starting the Pioneer Run Crew, why you started it, and what your big dreams are for it. Yeah. So as I was running with Nike Run Club, uh, I... And I grew into space. Like I, like I said, I had quit my corporate job, so I was kind of figuring it out, and I ended up really falling, like falling in love with running, right? And then I became a pacer, and then became a running coach with the Heartbreakers, so Heartbreak Running uh, Hill Running Company. I became a coach there, and so in 2017, I was like, you know, no one's really coming. Like I was always one of a few people of color in these communities, and so it was like, you know, I love what running is doing for me, and I know. The benefits mental health and physical health benefits so i think i can bring it to the people who need it most who are the people in the low-income um poverty-stricken areas crime-ridden areas where my 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 house is where i live and so in 2017 i brought it over and it was just um it was wild just to see how many people were just interested in this like new novel experience of running they were just like why are you running <laughs> for for many years there when i used to run in my neighborhood my wife wouldn't let me leave the house in tights she'd be like what are you doing like you can go to Boylston street and run like that but don't you got to put some pants on they're right over here so that's how it was and that and and i would like run on the sidewalk but if i was running behind someone i would need to warn them like hey i'm coming so mm. then they're not startled sure because there's so much trauma in these neighborhoods where like if someone's running towards you you're like what's going on right and so i mean i grew up in this neighborhood so i know and um and so that's how it really started was like hey wednesdays meet at this bar um, come run. And they knew me as the runner. So they would come, friends and family would come and I would like do everything. I'll take pictures. I would send emails. I would lead the front. I would bring up the back. And so that was like kind of the first summer. And then like, as we grew more people that kept coming, I, you know, I started tapping leaders to help, but um, it's become the most diverse space in Boston. I would say even like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a diverse running community, but it's even, even bigger than that. It's a, the most diverse space for a city that people don't really um, find themselves amongst people that don't look like themselves. Pioneers Run Crew is like one of the most diverse place, spaces to be. I like to joke and say like the place more diverse is probably Target. Mm. If you go to Target here in Boston, it's probably the only place because we live in segregated city uh, neighborhoods. And even when we go to work, right, and restaurants, like there are black and white, like uh, like you'll go into a restaurant in the back bay and it's just like it's just no people of color. And the people of color are just there working. Um, and so... It's just, you know, so that's been my experience. And so creating a space where people can come and run and be with each other and then have social interactions after and then build friendships and uh, it's been super special. Hey, everybody. A quick break here to thank Koros for supporting this podcast. Listen, Koros has the best watch on the market. I have been wearing my same watch from Koros since 2018. It has insane battery life. It is super easy to use. It's super easy to program your workouts. And so many of the best professional athletes in our sport use Koros Watch, including Olympic medalist Molly Seidel. So many guests on the show, though, Sally McRae, Hayden Hawks. So many pros use the Koros Watch. Emily Enfeld, Camille Heron. I, I could just go on. Um, so if you're in the market, I think that this is a good time to make the switch. If you've been using Garmin or any other watches, this is the time to make the switch to Coros. I'm telling you, they're cutting edge. They're just doing all the things and it doesn't get any easier. So you guys can go to Coros.com, use the code another, and that will get you a free accessory item, like a free band. So you make sure you add that code in at checkout and you're going to want a band because they have really fun colors. All right, friends, back to the show. 
Yeah, I, I listened to you interviewing Dr. Ibram Kendi, which, holy crap, that's freaking cool that you got to interview him. That was like one of my first interviews and I was so nervous. <laughs> I feel you. I've, I've had interviews like that where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this could be really easy, but because like there's so many good things they could say. Also, you were put in a really hard position because it was yeah. right after the Breonna Taylor it came out that like the person wasn't getting convicted and yeah, it was yeah. not or a good day charged. or even yeah, charged. It was not a good day. I remember his, 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 uh, his support, his admin support reached out and was like, Hey, he's going to be a bit late. And it was like, I was sitting there for 15 minutes of a 30 minute oh, meeting. Gosh. And so when he came in, you could just see it. It was heavy. And so I was like, uh, let's just jump. And it was like my one opportunity to talk to him. And so we're like, let's just jump in. And that's, I mean, I think I, I said in the episode, that's the reality of, of, you know, especially in that time, even now, you know, it's not as highlighted anymore in the news, but it's, that's the reality of being a person um, of color in this country. It's like, you just kind of roll with the punches, mm -hmm. you know? And so we did the interview and it was, um, it was powerful, but it was hard. I bet it was. You rolled with it. You did a great job. Um, Thank you. One of the things he said though, was like he kept talking about policy change like you were talking about how do we make this more inclusive how do we make it more accessible to people of color and people in these lower income communities and he kept talking about policy change and i was thinking but what does that mean i don't know mm -hmm. do you do you know what he meant by that and can you explain a little bit yeah i think that um so yeah so i like to think of it as like there are many stages of of kind of like the fight for racial justice and from and until government can um, like put laws in place or policies in place that then support some of the work that local activists and local um, kind of like uh, communities are, are, are being able to like then point to. Um, I think that's kind of where he's going with where it's like, yeah, we can do all the rah-rah-rah fighting at the local level or even at like the lower level. But until we can like change systems and institutions at the higher level, then it's never going to trickle down. I think that's kind of like the way I look at it. Um, I like to think of ta tackling it at many, at many um, kind of levels. Like you got the people in the middle, right. Um, who are like middle age or like, or have lived in this kind of like society where either they've been poor or undereducated their whole life. And so like, it's really hard to change their perspective or to, or to provide opportunities to people who have been their whole life. They've been, you know, they've had zero experiences that are going to help them take the next step. So like, how do we help those people? How do we help the kids? Because the, the youth are the future. Like if we're not stepping in early enough, then they're going to be, you know, that next generation of people who've just, if you think about, I, I like to think of it this way. Like if you grew up in Iraq and you were, let's say seven years old in 2001. And what are you now? Like your whole life has been war. Like you know nothing else. And so when you grow up in poverty, your whole life has been poverty. What do you know? Like if there are opportunities that are presented to you, how do you, you don't even know how to, 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 to take that, you know, you know? And so it's like, how do you train those people in the middle? How do you help the kids at the lower end? And, and then how do you change policy at the, at the higher end? It's kind of how I like to think about it, but I don't have all the answers and I don't know. I don't know uh, yeah. how to do any of that. There's so many levels. <laughs> Uh, but your run crew, so when you guys meet for runs, you're purposely meeting in communities that normally wouldn't see access to a group like this. And in turn, like kids are out yeah. seeing yeah. people that look like them Absolutely. running. 
Absolutely. Exactly. That's exactly the point. That's the reason why we run in the neighborhoods that we run to in the, the paths or the, the routes that we take is to be intentional about being, um, uh, being intentional about being seen um, and representing kind of the, the communities that, that we live in. And so like a kid that grows up in Cambridge, in Newton, in Wellesley, in these suburbs, they can wake up on a Saturday and see people running outside of the window and it's normal. And so if you grow up in that environment, then running is normal to you. It's something that you do. But if you grow up in an environment where you don't see that, then like me, when I was growing up, I was like, I don't running. Why are people running? It was crazy. And so if we can kind of change that um, and, and kind of help communities start to realize and see themselves in people kind of running on their street, that's something that they can bring into their lives at an earlier age. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Saturday, like, uh, in the summer when we're running down the street, kids are jumping off their stoop and just like running behind us or like asking like, what are you doing? Or like they're pointing. It's so funny. They're like pointing this to tell you where the rest of the group went or like, you're too slow. They passed you or, you know, so it's, and it's always fun, you know? And so the more we do it, the more we normalize it. Cause right now it's still not something that's, that's, that's normal. I love that. Those kids. I mean, when's the pioneer crew, like kids club starting? <laughs> that's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of work that goes into to activating the youth totally. uh, we are still we are still a volunteer community um and we all do this for free and uh so from a time perspective it, it's, it's difficult but we do partner with um other organizations like soul train boston that kind of help the youth um there are a, a, a couple other kind of track and field running communities for for younger adults but boston is such a tough place to be a kid and who wants to run because there is no, there's only one citywide cross country team in the whole city. Wow. Yeah. You have to be intentional about like seeking it out, signing up. Yes. And so many things, right? Like you have to, the kid has to be internally motivated. Like I, I interviewed um, Ruben Sanko on my podcast and he's a, he's a, he was born in um, the Cape Rhode Islands, moved here into, into Dorchester and, and became a, an Olympic athlete. Um, marathoner but he was so internally motivated mm -hmm. right you have you can't kids you can't expect kids to be like him he was like you know a star right like but you have to be a star to get to, to to be good and it's just putting so much weight and so much on that kid and then from like a parent standpoint i just became a dad my son's three we're trying to figure out summer camps and it's so hard you gotta yes. like, look, look for financial aid you gotta look for this program it's like you still gotta work and so like it's just I don't know. It's just a it's a lot of onus on parents on a lot of onus on, on, on kids if that opportunity isn't just something they see when they go to school. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the kid being internally motivated. I, I talk about this a lot on well, this podcast and my podcast for parents. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? And um, like I, I'm just so curious about like what makes a kid internally motivated? Like how much of is it of it is nature versus nurture? Like some of yeah. that is just like who that kid is, right? No, no, seriously, yeah, I agree. I agree. Cause I have four brothers and I can tell you like you're also different. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm the crazy entrepreneur who just like will do anything and everything, right? And then I have a brother who's the same, same parents, went to same, you know, went to similar schools you know, you wouldn't think that we had the same parents and grew up in the same household uh, because just our motivations are different. The way we see the world is different. But I think that's also, um, he's a younger generation and we all know that this generation with the social media, the way that social media has kind of taken over our lives, that might play a role into it. But yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. Ugh, I hate social media. It's like such a necessary it's evil, a- though, isn't it? Like if you're trying to like you're you have a brand like you're you have this apparel brand. You you want to use social media to expand your pioneer run crew. So it's like yeah. it is such a necessary evil. It really is. But I do feel and I'm seeing it because I, I run a community that in real in real life experiences and communities um, are in need more now than ever. Um, and mm-hmm. they're on the uptick and they're growing. Um, so I think people are just tired of, of that screen and need that interaction. And so if you're in the, if you're in the business of community, I, th- I think it's going to be good for the next next uh, for the foreseeable future. OK, so. Talking about the the run crew and we were talking about, you know, kids seeing your group out running. What are like next steps that people can take who maybe aren't a part of your run crew to help diversify running and help it feel more inclusive and safe for other communities who aren't white? Yeah. So I will say that we like Pioneers Run Crew, we are just one of many many similar communities across the country um i've and i've even i've seen a a kind of a new kind of a third age running community kind of starting to come to to grow across the country where there are people just getting together and running and they don't know um and it's and, and it's more because like probably because of the pandemic and running was the only thing that you could really do at the time and so since then i've seen so many more communities and so this inclusive kind of in, uh, inviting running community is growing in different places. And that's typically where you start to find more diversity, right? People aren't there um, to be the best runner. Well, they are th- there to be their best runner, but they, you know, we are people who are finishing middle of the pack um, and, and kind of um, even back of the pack. And that's okay. I like, I have this saying about our community and it's, we don't just celebrate those who are fast, but we also celebrate those who finish last. Mm. And, it's because when you come and run with communities like ours, if you're finishing in the front of a, like, let's say we're running a, a three or four mile, a five mile um, run on a Wednesday night. If you're finishing first, there's no one there to clap you in and celebrate you. But if you're finishing last, everyone is there screaming your name, you know, excited for you to come through that finish line. And so that's kind of like how I think of, of the communities that, that are, that are inclusive. And it's more about like supporting that person's journey, wherever they are in their journey um, as opposed to, you know, let's see your Strava. Let's see how fast you can get. Or are you qualifying for Boston? Like that's not what not our intention point. or our goal is. No, it's not. It's about moving your body, you know, um, and, and, and building community. You know, I, I've, I've like kind of kept my mouth shut about this cause I don't want people to take it the wrong way. But like I've said these past two years, I've like been so annoyed about it internally and with my husband, like the cry of the news stations and the government this whole pandemic i feel like they really missed the boat on like we need to get people to move their freaking bodies it's like yes get vaccinated yes there was a time where we needed to be socially distant we needed to do all those things but like two years in we need to be getting in front of every community saying this is the most important thing outside of if you want to get vaccinated and things like that, this is the most yeah. important thing we should all be doing because that's going to keep us healthier. In the spring of 2020, it was like, you know, nobody knew what was going on. But now we're yeah. two years in and I'm like, yeah. why is this not like the biggest message everywhere? Like 
get people to move your bodies. And, and I think about that and I'm like, how can I use my platform and you use your platform yeah. to like get in front of communities that aren't already doing that. And if you look at who's working out, who's running people that have money work out and they run, I mean, people, because guess what money buys you? It buys you time. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it, exactly. And so even in our community, we are super diverse, but we still struggle to meet people that are below that poverty line. Yeah. Right. Like we created this space to try and reach the people in our neighborhoods. Unfortunately, we don't have the tools to reach those people because they're working multiple jobs. They're working late. They don't have childcare. They have so many other problems in their lives that they can't think about running. And I can relate because when now that I'm like launching this pop-up space and I have all these crazy things, that's when I start to neglect my health. That's mm -hmm. when I don't eat well. That's when I don't work out, right? Like my buddy, my weekend runner, my, my Saturday morning runner, he, he, he texted me. He was like, hey, are we going for a run? I'm like, man, I haven't run in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, yeah, like, so think about that. We're, we're neglecting our health because we don't have time. And because we're scrambling, think about the people who live that life every day and kind of like the toxic, kind of the toxins in their body and kind of the stress. So recently I talked to a friend of mine who was in the UK. She lived in the UK for many years. She's American. Uh, but she was talking about these park runs that they do in the UK. So it's like every Saturday morning and any park in the UK, around the UK, you can go for a, a timed run. And so it's just ingrained in their culture that you can wake up on a Saturday, go to the park and run. You'll get timed. Next week you come back. You're always kind of like, there's always that kind of like that accessibility to running in your neighborhood and you can kind of assess against yourself. And so that kind of like builds that habit and builds that normal, that kind of normalizes it a bit. So I think from a policy level, if that was something that came down, right. And was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And then it gets drilled down you put some money into it and it gets done i think that that's something that that could that could um that i've seen i've heard that works hey friends a quick break here to thank prevenex for supporting this podcast if you are feeling achy in your joints at all if you're wondering would the joint health plus supplement that they have helped me i'm here to tell you it probably will it delivers ingredients that are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and relief available on the market. So many people have reached out saying they cannot believe the difference it has made. I take this product every single day myself. And this is a company I stand by that I really believe in. They have a really great vegan protein powder that I use almost daily. My kids use it. They have great kids vitamins as well. They're super vites. They actually donate a bottle for every bottle you purchase. They donate a bottle to malnourished kids around the world. Doing really great work over there. I also just get my multivitamins from Prevenex as well. So you all can go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER to save 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, that's a really brilliant thought. And I've heard of those runs as well. I think I've interviewed someone that has talked about those from the UK. That's a really good idea. And I mean, honestly, it just takes people rolling up their sleeves and getting involved. But you know, we all have our lives. We have, we have our families. We're entrepreneurs. We have, they're, they're you know, like the owners can't be on individuals. It really can't. It's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and even like, just even from like a representation, representation standpoint, like for me in creating this running apparel brand, it's creating a brand in running that people can relate to and see themselves in, yeah. right? Something that they feel comfortable in. 
we had a, a brand partnership recently where every time we got product, the women were like, like, what's going on? This is not working for my body. Right. And so then like, how demoralizing is that when you got the best running apparel that doesn't fit you? Right. Or like, you know, our culture is vibrant and loud, but our apparel is not. It's like, doesn't fit kind of our personalities and the way we live. And so like, there are so many little things about even when it comes to apparel that that kind of like people, if you don't see yourself as a part of it, right, um, then it's not something you're interested in. So that's kind of like my little way of, of, of supporting my community is creating apparel that fits them and um, and makes them feel good and also something that they can kind of represent themselves in. And so, um, and I know that, like I said before, their Pioneers Run Crew is just a subset of many of these communities across the country. You know, in North Carolina, in Raleigh, I'm, I'm, I bet there's one very similar. Um, yeah, I'm going to look it up. I just actually looked up to see if there was a Black Girls Run in Raleigh because I was I was pretty well connected to the group in Indianapolis. I just requested to join their Facebook group here. <laughs> yeah, so there are many. Yeah, so you're going to find them everywhere. It's just finding them and then like, yeah, supporting them. You know, these brands, these big brands, they have a lot of money and they're going to come and go. But like get what you can while you can out of them. Um, sure and learn how to use those relationships. But yeah, the brands, I think um, there are brands that are doing it really, really well that are helping these communities too. Um, so yeah, the future is bright for running though, I will say. That's so good. You have me motivated to do something creative. <laughs> I, you know, like, yeah, it's just like figuring out the steps, right? Like right now I'm meeting, I, I just like put a note out in my neighborhood Facebook group. Like I'm going to run at 7 a.m. I'm going to meet at the corner of Inglewood and Manchester Anybody who wants to join me, show up. Yeah, That's not doing anything to diversify running, though. Let's be honest. But, yeah, well, I mean, it's like, that's just one little thing. And it's so easy for me. But I'm like, yeah. how can I do something that's a little more challenging that that could help this issue? Yeah. Probably not meeting in my neighborhood. We, yeah. Well, you know, we all have our roles. You have a platform here and you have people like me on here who potentially could spark the interest in someone who lives in a neighborhood where they can make a difference. I think that's also a part as well, you know? Um, yeah. It's it's not easy. There aren't there aren't answers, right? We got to go and create them. And everything starts in the mind. Um, and, you know, and so you create that idea, you come up with something, you put some consistency behind it and it becomes, you know, what I'm doing today, you know? So cool. Um, how do I convince you to get your podcast going back on? Because I, I saw that it hadn't aired an episode in like a year. And I'm like, what do we need to do here? You know, what happens is the the last episode of the podcast was probably when I launched my crowdfund for my apparel line. Mm. And so like I, sw I, sh I shifted and, you know, I do want to launch it. It's just I got to get help. I got to I got to find help. I'm going to email so, you. Uh, We're going to talk about this. That'd be helpful. Yeah, that'd be great. I have a lot of ideas. Uh, and so, yeah, yes, I'd love that. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we could, I feel like we could, this conversation could extend for a really long time. Cause I'd love to ask you more questions about being a dad and <laughs> your wife and how she's involved in the business and all these things. But yeah. for the sake of time, you're launching your pop-up shop. Like you got things to do. Um, let's wrap up with end of podcast questions here and, uh, move along. Yeah, let's do it. What is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? I think that uh, I, I like I've been thinking about it here and there about like how do we continue to change kind of the future of running? And I always say if you want to change the future of running, you have to start with the kids, with the youth. And it's not something I've been able to do before. And so um, 
it's something I've thought about. And hopefully what I've learned though, is like, go make the money first, right? Like I, I started in nonprofit, uh, like right before I went to PwC, I like joined the nonprofit for a year. And I was like, you gotta have the money before you go do that. So like go build a business and then come back and figure out how you can, can lift others. So that's something that, that, that I think about a lot. Well, and I like that you said that too, because it's like, I feel like people, and I'm talking about myself, I'm an Enneagram 7, I want to do everything right now, and here's the idea I want to go do, but there's so many things that have to happen before you do. It's like, yeah. I'm I'm not good at the execution, like getting all the things in order. So I like that you said that, because it's like, okay, you have this dream, you will make it happen, but you realize like the steps you have to take first to like make it be a thing that actually can happen, that you can execute. Yeah, because if in reality, in this capitalistic society that we live in, if you don't have the money, then you can't do anything. And I've learned that. And so go do that first, make the money and then come back and be able to support it and then sustain it. Yeah. Okay. You have to keep me posted on that because that, that is really <laughs> exciting to me. Give me a couple of years on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's something I think about a lot. Uh, you're right, though, with the kids. That's super, super important. Get that ingrained yeah. in a young age and not just about running, just like moving your bodies, like being an yes. active human being. Yeah. Uh, what's the best, most recent book you've read? So I love to read. And I do a lot of audio books. Um, one of my favorite ones that I just read, this is might be controversial, might not be, but it's the Will Smith autobiography. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, I read that. But I will say, even before that, I read a book called New Power, um, How Power Works in Our Hyperconnected and, uh, World. And it's about how you can harness the power of the crowd and the community. Um, and that's kind of the future of kind of um, power in this, you know, and we've seen it quietly in the way that, you know, Donald Trump ran his campaign. And um, even when Obama came to office and then you see it in how like Uber and Facebook has grown, they kind of really harness the power of community and the people. Um, and so I think about that and how I've launched my apparel brand through um, the crowdfund and how like I go to the community. Um, and so it's less of a, of a top down approach to power and more of a, uh, of a bottom up. What's it called again? It's called New Power. Um, okay, New Power. Yeah, New Power. How power works in our hyper-connected world and how to make it work for you. Um, I forget who the author is. But I've read that a couple of times. And it's, it's, it's very interesting because of kind of the way I think about empowering communities. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite ones more recently. Did you like Will Smith's book? I loved Will Smith's book. I did. <laughs> I really did. I listened to it in like three days. I did the audio of that one. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, he wasn't the best at anything, at everything. You know, he just worked very hard, very, very hard. Um, and he came from a household where, um, you know, it was a broken household, but he just like kept working on it. And so, yeah. Um, what's a nonprofit you like to support? So a uh, school called the Epiphany Middle School here in Dorchester. Um, it's one of the reasons why I am where I am today. So I did grow up in the neighborhood here um, and I went there in middle school and it kind of like changed the trajectory of my life because then that's when I, I thought about board, like private school and, and education in a different you know way and then coming back and, and working there and sitting on the board. And so um, that's a great nonprofit to, to support. Wow. Are you on the board now? I... I'm not because going back to go make the money first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I just don't have the time. If, if you're building a small business, if you're building a business, it's really hard to kind of, um, you know, I would go to these board meetings and, you know, you'd have people in there, in there, you know, a lot older than me in their suits and ties. And and it's like, yeah, that's what you have to do. If you want to support, you know, you got to go make some money first. You yeah, can't like just they've done with, all the things. 
Yeah. And now they can write checks, right? And and come up with ideas, you know? So Right. Your commitment to being on a board, that financial commitment is usually pretty large. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I've been on that. I sat on that board early and then I, I left. That's cool though. That's awesome. You like got your taste and you're going to do your thing for a little bit. And maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years, you'll be back with all this experience under your belt as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the plan. That's cool. Um, what is your last message to leave with the audience today? Believe in yourself because I think a lot of people think I'm crazy because of things I do. And they're just like, why? Even friends who like, I don't know, who I know they support me, but they just, you know, it's just people will shoot you down and they won't take you seriously. But if you don't believe in yourself, that's the biggest, you know, that's the biggest thing. So believe in yourself, whatever your crazy ideas, whatever you want to do, believe in yourself. That's the first step. So good. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been great. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Sid, for sharing your story, coming on the podcast. You all can find Sid on social media. He is Sid Bap over there. Make sure you check out his apparel line, Performance Running Apparel, P-Y-N-R-S.com. That is the website for that apparel. Friends, you can find me on social media. I'm LindsayHine626 on Instagram, at LindsayHine on Twitter. And check out our new website, sandyboyproductions.com. We also have a brand new podcast in the network called Ready to Run. I'm super excited about it. Go subscribe. Leave them a rating and review. Have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we will see you next Friday.